Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jason and uh, campus pastor here at the Lorraine campus. And um, yes, we love our campus. And uh, it's good to have you all here with us. But um, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I, uh, I needed wisdom. And you're, you're trying to figure out things. One of those times for me was when I was a new teacher. I was just, uh, in my first year of teaching at Open Door Christian School. Most of that year, I was just absolutely lost. And, uh, and uh, another time in my life was, was when I was in a situation of being separated uh, in uh, my first marriage, and I was all by myself and trying to figure that out. And uh, both times, uh, one of my go-tos is my dad. And I can remember in both of those situations talking to my dad and saying, Dad, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get through this. What am I going to do? You know, uh, getting a word of advice from him. And both times, I think, in both situations, one of the best words of advice he ever gave me was to, to not give up and just to keep on moving. Keep on walking. Don't um, let your head go down, but get your eyes up on the Lord. Keep walking. There's a great song you can listen to after church. I'd love to play it for you, but it's by Toby Mac. Keep walking. Anybody know this song? Yeah, Move is the name of it, right? I want to read you actually some of the words to it because I think this represents so well what, um, what maybe you feel at times when you're going through and needing wisdom. But first of all, it says, it's echoing inside your head the words that your sweet mama or dad says, shoot for the moon, my dear. So you took aim out of this atmosphere, but between the high stakes and pump fakes, you're feeling like you can't buy a break. You can't, I can hold your hand, but I can't, I can't bring you. I can't turn your eyes to freedom. And isn't that the case? You know, I can love you and hold your hand, but I'm, I'm not the one that's going to be able to find, give you freedom. It's, you got to turn your head up. And so I know your heart's been broke. I know your prayers aren't, aren't answered yet. You know you're feeling like you got nothing left. Well, lift your head. Lift your head. It ain't over yet. Move. Keep walking. Soldier, keep moving. And lift your head. It ain't over yet. And I have a feeling that song embodies kind of the message I received from my dad and my mom when I was going through those times, and I realized I got to just keep moving. I got to not stop. And this is the way we're talking today about walking. We're talking about walking in wisdom today. And if we're going to walk in wisdom and the wisdom that Jesus Christ displayed, then we've got to resist the temptation to stop, to retreat, to back off, to quit. And we've got to keep moving with Jesus. Amen. And that's what I want to, want to show you today. And we're going to a passage that really, um, let me just go to Proverbs real quick to show you this walk of wisdom. It actually says it right in Proverbs 28. It says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. That's a big theme in the Proverbs. Fools, the difference between fools and the wise. But he who, or she who walks in wisdom will be delivered. I don't, know, I don't know anything about where you're at in your life today. Maybe a few of you I know, but most of you I don't. But I think this probably speaks to most of us in this room, is that you might be in a place where you need deliverance today. Can I just say that we all need to keep walking and walking in wisdom? Well, what kind of wisdom, though? And that's what we're going to look at in our text today. We're talking about the next generation. It's not just about us. It's not just about the wisdom that we possess. It's about the fact that God desires for us to look at those people around us right in this room, not just our biological kids, because not everybody has kids. But we all have a family relationship right here in this room. Many people from stages and, and, and ages and in different places in their walk with Christ. But we are a family. 
And we have the opportunity all around us right here to disciple, to grow, to help each other in this way of wisdom. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And here's our text. If you got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. And let's take a look at two verses that speak of wisdom. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And we're picking up at the end of the passage where Jim left off. I think actually it was a couple weeks ago where, where, where uh, Joseph and Mary come into the temple and it's the 40-day mark of the birth of Jesus, and they get him dedicated. And then, basically, um, he's swept up into the arms of Simeon and then Anna, and they praise God for this, the deliverance of Israel, right, and the salvation in Jesus. And so then we come upon this verse, and then the line is basically the story of Jesus being 12 and being in the temple and being left in the temple. We'll talk about that next week, I believe. And then this is the last verse after that experience. So this is what we're looking at is these two verses. Why don't you stand with me? We'll read the word of the Lord together, these two verses. And it says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. That's verse 40. And then verse 52, after the temple experience at 12, it says, Jesus then grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. And man, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you for standing to honor God's word. You may be seated. All right. Now, what I want you to see is, of course, that, that wisdom is in both verses referring to how Jesus would continue on and walk as he grew from the time of being 40 days old uh, on to 12, and then from 12 on to his adulthood. But notice the difference. It, it says the description of being filled with wisdom is the idea of being filled up. Just like the kids in a minute are going to take that little light bulb and they're going to take some sand and they're going to fill it up a little bit at a time with different colors. That's, a, that's exactly the image of how Jesus was filled up with wisdom. He didn't just come out of the womb speaking scripture and able to talk in five, you know, 50 languages, right? He, he was a, a, a little baby that had to grow and learn and he was filled up and then this idea is the same as he grew. It's that idea that he, he gradually increased in wisdom. Isn't it comforting and nice to know that Jesus was truly like us in every way? I mean, I'm at a loss at times in my life, a lot, okay? Coming up on this sermon, I was at a loss in some ways this week, all right? Just being honest. But yet, Jesus felt at a loss many times. If you don't think I'm right about that, just read about him praying at the garden before he went to the cross. He was at a loss, and, and he was crying out. And so this is what I love about Jesus. He was a, a man, just like any man or woman in this world, in the sense that he had to be filled up. He had to grow. And I think that's a fascinating thing for us to study is how do we walk in wisdom, my friends? How do we do that? And so what does walking in wisdom mean? What does it look like? Um, and and there's, there's a thought that comes to my mind when we think about um, the whole of the Bible, that there's really just two kinds, kinds of wisdom, okay? Two kinds of wisdom. First of all, the wisdom of man, all right? We, and we're all familiar with this. The wisdom of man, it's, it's vast. It's increasing. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. Go to any library and just see all the books that are written and all the creativity. I mean, it's just incredible uh, how God has created man and how the, the, the knowledge out there is, is never-ending. If you watch YouTube or whatever, you can just see the minds of people. But here's the thing. The wisdom of man is bound by our limitations, bound by who we are. We can only go so far with our wisdom, and there are some places that man just cannot go. They cannot have an answer for certain things. Why? Because we're limited. 
But then the second kind of wisdom I want you to see is the wisdom of God. It's beyond our comprehension because of our limitations, right? But it's also whole. It's also whole. Like God the Father, he is a complete and whole figure. There is, there is, it is a wisdom that is full, and it's, it doesn't need adding to, and it can't be taken away from. But then on top of that, it's sourced in an all-knowing, we call that omniscient and limitless creator. And so to understand the wisdom of man, we must understand that it comes from the wisdom of God. The very fact that we are walking on this earth and we were created, we were created out of the wisdom of God. It was out of his mind and out of his voice that man was even created. This whole universe was created. And again, you're saying to me, that's, uh, it's hard to believe. Well, I know it is because we're limited in our thinking. And we, we can't imagine and understand fully the way that God works. But this is, this is the two types of wisdom we have to deal with that we have to see as we're looking at this today. And so I then think of, of being in the, in the way of wisdom, walking in wisdom with Mary and Joseph. You know, we're in the sandals of Mary and Joseph for a minute now. So if we're going to walk in wisdom with Mary and Joseph, what does that look like for this young couple? At this point, they only have one son. This is Jesus. All this crazy stuff has happened with this little baby. And how did they go about walking in wisdom as they raised this boy? Well, Scripture doesn't tell us a ton, but we can understand from history, we can understand from culture the, the things that they look to. And there's a couple sources of wisdom that they had in their life that actually we have as well. I want to show you today. First of all, the wisdom of the wise ones in their lives. So um, Mary and Joseph had wise ones like, you know, first of all, their parents, right? So they had parents, uh, Joseph's parents were were down in Bethlehem. Mary's parents were up in uh, Nazareth. And so they had parents that raised them and that taught them. And so that was one source of their wise, uh, the, the wise people in their life. How about teachers and rabbis? They both grew up in smaller towns where they were then taken to uh, the synagogue on Saturdays. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they, they grew in wisdom from their teachers, their rabbis that, that taught them there. Um, Several times a year, they go down to Jerusalem for festivals and different things. And there you would find the Levites and the priests, those who made the sacrifices, and they were the wise ones. And even you would meet prophets like Anna and Simeon. And these people were folks you would look to for wisdom, right, that would speak into your life. Uh, and then finally, I, I want to ask you, though, as you think about all that that was surrounding the walk in the sandals of Joseph and Mary, who are the wise ones in your life? Who are the people that you look to? And maybe you think about that, who are the equivalents of the, of the, of the parents and who are the equivalents of the teachers, who are the equivalents of the, the priests and the prophets in your life? And you might say to yourself, well, I don't really have a whole lot to speak of. Well, maybe it's because you really haven't thought a whole lot about it in your life. Or maybe it is because you truly are going it alone and you really kind of, you know, you're flying solo and you don't really need anybody's advice about anything. Can I just say, I want to shake your thinking up a little bit today. I believe Mary and Joseph, in their way of wisdom, they had wise ones that they looked to. First century Jews would do that, and they would look to the people in their community. And you can look right around this room for the wise ones and find them right here. Have you ever even asked God, Lord, show me, who are the wise ones around me that I have not noticed? Show them to me. It's because that happened to Simeon, in, 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 uh, not Simeon, that happened to Joseph and Mary as they're at the temple just dedicating Jesus, and all of a sudden, this old guy and this old lady come running over and make a big deal about Jesus, say all this stuff that blew their minds. Well, God was sending wise ones to show them things they did not 
realize yet about Jesus. Is that cool or what? He'll do the same for you. Second source I want to share with you is, is Scripture. That's what Joseph and Mary had. They had Scripture. Specifically, they had the, the wisdom literature, is what they call it in the Hebrew text. Wisdom literature. Real quick quiz, since I've got flesh and blood today with you. Uh, anybody want to tell me what the three books in the Old Testament are that are considered wisdom literature? Okay, give me one. Proverbs, yes, that's the big daddy. Okay, what's the second one? Ecclesiastes, is that? That's the second one. And the third? All right, there's a few Psalms, but that's not completely wisdom literature. Job, very good, Chaz, excellent. So Job, all right, so let me put those up. Job, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and what you have here with, with Job and Ecclesiastes, those are wise men, in this case Job, in this case Solomon, trying to figure out what in the world is going on with this world that you've put us in, God, and, and, and help me make sense of it, right? So wise men commenting uh, and making sense of the world around them. But then in Proverbs, you have a book that is, is full of, of uh, Solomon's wisdom. It's, it's a perfect one if you want to read a, a, a proverb a day. I think there's 31 of them, right? And so you can read one a day and gain a lot from it. And as a matter of fact, Young ones like Joseph and Mary would have been brought up under the Proverbs, not just to read them every day, but to memorize them and to apply them to their life and recite them on a regular basis because the Proverbs were, were really about a way to live. This is how you live life. And really, I believe it was the pinnacle of Solomon's writings were these Proverbs to help teach us not just the wisdom of man, which is a lot of common sense stuff in it, but the wisdom of God. So I'm going to give you an example of that from the Proverbs. I want to just show you a little taste, chapters 1, 2, 3, of what I mean by what you could gain and what I believe Mary and Joseph gained from reading the Proverbs and knowing it. First of all, wisdom's starting point is seen in Proverbs 1, uh, verse 7, right there at the very beginning. 1, 7 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now think about that for a second. The fear of God is where it all starts. When, when we want to know and have wisdom, we must begin with God. So that, that tells you what you need to know about the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. They're inextricably tied. We are, we are underneath the wisdom of God. We need to understand him if we want to understand wisdom. Amen? But then you see that when we fear him and we respect him, when we honor him, that's the starting point to humble ourselves and come before him. But the opposite is true. If we're, it's the fool that despises wisdom, that hates it. And I don't want to be taught. I, I got it all covered. I know everything I need to know, right? And so you see that incredible dichotomy here. The second thing I want you to see, that's the starting point. The next part is wisdom has a voice, which is kind of cool. The chapter one speaks of the, the voice of wisdom crying out. And I want to just read this voice to you because it's, kind of it's kind of a neat thing. As this voice cries out, this is in the NIV I want to read to you, where it says, Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On the top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. So she's everywhere, crying out to all mankind. And she says, How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? And then she says, Repent. Repent at my rebuke, and then I will pour out my thoughts. There's that image of pouring into. I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known to you my teachings. How cool is that? 
That is what wisdom cries out. And what it takes for us to, to hear wisdom is for us to, to basically uh, humble ourselves, to, to repent at the rebuke, to then allow those thoughts to be poured into us. And, uh, and I love that about Joseph and Mary. I believe they were a couple that really did understand this. For example, you, Mary, you see her, her trust in the Lord and her dependency on the Lord and just the simple things she said, like, here's your Lord's servant. You know, I'm your Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you have said. Mary said many things that showed her faith, whereas Joseph was a man that did things. There's not one word recorded about Joseph saying anything in Scripture, but you see his actions. The angel comes, the Lord speaks to him, and he does it, he does it, he does it. So it has to be our words and actions working in, con in con uh, test with each other that we re repent. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry, but then actually showing a changed life, right? And so when we want to seek wisdom, that's exactly it, following in that example. And so that's the starting point, and, and, the, um, and the pathway is, is next. Let's take a look at that. There's a pathway for wisdom, the voice and then the pathway. Proverbs 2, 1 through 9, I want to read a little bit to you uh, from this to give you that pathway as you write that down. This is, uh, this is really cool because I think you'll, you'll pick up on pieces again that Joseph and Mary would have known. It says this, verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and cry out and cry out and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. And then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord. So look at this. So we listen intently. We cry out consistently. We search diligently. This is the beginning of the pathway of understanding what God wants. Wisdom's pathway is that we, are, we have to put some effort into it. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, mean that we earn favor with God or anything. He just he wants to know we want it, right? And that's the way it is. Sometimes we just decide to quit. But God's saying, no, it's right there. Wisdom's calling out to all of us, but you got to cry out for it. And then it says, then you're ready. Once we've done this, we've been doing this, we're living in this, now we just wait expectantly for what God's going to do. He says, then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord. Uh, and then you'll gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. God's the one that gives wisdom. He's the source. For from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is something to understand about God's mouth. Out of his mouth, out of his word, comes knowledge and understanding. And then he says, he guards the path of the just, protects those who are faithful to him. And then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. Anybody ever been that, there? We just don't know which way to go. But you lean into the Lord, and he shows you. For listen to how it happens. It's about our heart. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Man, that's powerful stuff from the mouth of Solomon, isn't it? It's about our heart that God actually gives wisdom. He's the one that grants it from his mouth, and it enters our heart. Isn't that cool? It's not a head thing. It's, it's something that God gives us into our hearts. It's like the gospel. It's something that he gives us, which is a beautiful thing. And so that is, that is a beautiful thing when we talk about the pathway. Let's talk next about the, the, trail, the trail guide. When we're on the, when we're on the, tra the pathway, 
What's the guide? And this is my wife's favorite verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's take a look at it. And this is the, the, what you need along the way. As you're walking down the path of life, you need to trust in the Lord. That's what it looks like to fear him. Trust him with all your heart, not just a part of you, with all your being, you trust in the Lord. Don't depend on your own understanding, your own wisdom. That cannot be what you need most. No, instead, seek his will in everything you do, and he will show you which path to take. Again, this path language is all over the Proverbs, is that when you want to know which way to go, you put your full stock, everything you've got in the Lord, and as you trust in him and not what you know, then he will show you, and then you're ready to receive from him, and he puts it in our hearts. Isn't that cool? And so, you know, so many times we think that wisdom is something of the head, it's actually something about the heart. It's about how he wants to change us in the midst of the confusion. And so moving on, I want you to see that after we, all of us are seeking wisdom. And I want to I give you an example of the wisdom of man that, and there's a lot out there that's, that's helpful. Um, and, and actually, I want to read you actually James, because this is, this is helpful. If you need wisdom, James says, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking for wisdom, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Now, that's something to think about because too often our faith is in God and myself, God and that person I look to. But no, make sure your faith is in God alone, and then just ask him. Ask him. Cry out to him. So James would agree with that. Uh, a, a book that I, I've uh, really come to love by Andy Andrews. This is an example of common man wisdom right here. Uh, the Noticer is the first book. This is the second book called The Noticer Returns. My dad introduced it to me, and I've, I've really loved it. And parents, teachers, coaches, I highly recommend the second book. We'll read both. But this one uh, is uh, basically uh, aimed at parents, teachers, coaches, anybody that's, that's discipling and bringing other people along, Okay. Um, and in the, in the two books is a character named Jones, who I believe is kind of a, 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 a hidden figure in the book of, of Jesus. He represents Jesus. He represents the presence of God in people's lives. And so it's a really fascinating read. But I want you to hear from this guy, Jones, as he shares this wisdom about what we're talking about when we talk about wisdom. He says, most folks greet confusion with surrender. Most po- people, when they don't know what to do, do nothing. So he's saying that when most folks come to that place of, I don't know which way to go, they just say, I I don't know. I don't know. So I'm just not going to do anything. But he says, he goes on, people who achieve extraordinary results, though, think differently. They understand something very significant about confusion. And that is that confusion precedes learning. Confusion comes before learning. So don't be afraid of confusion because you're about to learn something if you keep walking, keep walking. Amen? And, and that's, that's where I believe, I, I have to believe that's where Joseph and Mary were, right? I mean, again, in the sandals of, of Joseph and Mary, if we're walking with them in this situation, they were planning to have a happy marriage with a family, building a home and all that, and then they were both visited by angels and everything went into confusion. They, they, they moved in faith, but they just kept walking from confusing point to confusing point to confusing point, right? Well, what do I mean by this? Let me, let me take you through that. If we go beyond the 40 days where Jesus was dedicated and we move with Joseph and Mary, you have to go to Matthew chapter 2 for this. I'm not going to read it all to you, but just go with me. 
you want to write down Matthew 2 on this next point, this is what I'm referring to. Matthew 2, 9 to 12. Uh, you see, as we walk in the shoes of Mary and Joseph, they are met with the confusion of, of all that's going on with this baby, the incarnation of a child. This is the Son of God. The, 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 the um, shepherds come and all this stuff, right? But then uh, many months later, Joseph and Mary would be in Bethlehem, and they would be uh, living their life around Joseph's family, and along would come these, this big, huge entourage with these guys from the east called magi or wise men. Interestingly enough, wise men. And these guys full of wisdom, in that day they were called the kingmakers. They were the ones that would come and they would crown and they would bring gifts for the next king of different nations. And these guys come to, to this place. They followed a star all the way there. Talk about confusing. What? A star brought you here? And then they worship the boy. And then they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You guys know the story, right? Okay, it actually happened many months after uh, the shepherds and all that. It was later, and we know that because uh, it's a confirmation, but we know that because uh, Herod would next then say, I'm going to try and kill this little king that's around here, and he kills all the boys two years old and down. Well, why did he do that? Because it took about that long for the magi to get there from the east, okay? And so... What, what we see happening, though, is God's provision happening. Here's wisdom. What they gained from that experience was to see that no matter how confusing it may be, God's always a step ahead of the enemy, and he's a step ahead of us. And he gave them gold, frankincense, and myrrh because God would be that night sending them off into Egypt and saying that this man, Herod's going to try and kill the boy, so you need to flee to Egypt and I put down here that, that, that Jesus and Mary and Joseph were also in a place of identity where they were identifying with a couple things. First of all, they were identifying with the nation of Israel because as you've been reading in your devotions, right, in the daily devotions, we've been reading in Exodus, and we see that the, uh, the, the Israel would go and move to Egypt, and they would be there for hundreds of years, and they would be enslaved eventually, and eventually God would send, rise up a man named Moses to to be the deliverer and take them out of Egypt and back to Canaan. Well, that's exactly the path that Jesus takes with his parents. He's sent to Egypt to identify, and as it says in Hosea 11, verse 1, that God would call his son out of Egypt, not just Israel, but his own son, Jesus, who would come out. And you'll see this, this on the billboards at the, at the Super Bowl this year. He gets us. Jesus was a refugee. Anybody seen that one? It's a, you'll watch the Super Bowl. It's going to be one of the commercials is he gets us. Jesus understands our pain. He was a refugee. That's what it's referring to. Jesus went to Egypt with his parents and was there for maybe months or maybe a couple of years. And then he was called out of Egypt to come back at Herod's death. And what happens is God's refining and fulfilling, verses 19 to 23 of Matthew 2, of how they come back. Herod's dead. So Joseph and Mary come back into Israel. And Joseph's planning to go to Judea, where his family is, Bethlehem. But he's kind of uh, nervous because he knows that Herod's son is now in charge. And he's thinking, hmm, I'm not sure about that. Would Jesus be safe? And then he goes to sleep that night. An angel confirms it. God's word says, no, don't go there. You need to go somewhere else. He doesn't tell him where. And so Joseph, I imagine, wakes up that morning and says to his wife, "Hon, we shouldn't go. And that's how God works sometimes. Sometimes our concerns, our, 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 our uh, fears of something... God's word will come and direct us and say, yes, confirmation. But then Joseph still had to talk to Mary and say, what should we do? 
And they made the decision together, let's go to your hometown, Mary, up to Nazareth. And so that's where they went. So God refined them in that because they really wanted, their, their plan A was to go to Bethlehem. But they, their plan B was Nazareth, but that was God's plan A. See, our wisdom and God's wisdom is not always the same, right? We got to trust him. And I believe that Mary and Joseph exhibit the wisdom of God that they were gaining and filling up on that wisdom as they went through confusion upon confusion. What, what confusion are you facing right now? What are you going through right now that's really got you confounded? Can I just say there's hope? Understand that on the other edge of that confusion, with God holding your hand and you listening in and searching for his wisdom, learning is coming. You are gaining something from this confusion. Don't worry. Don't give up. Keep walking, okay? And so I want you to see, again, from the book, I, I mentioned the, the Notice of Returns. Uh, this is Jones again. He says, wisdom can, can be silenced. It can be ignored, but it cannot be diminished. Wisdom will grow as you seek to add it to your life. But if you really want to see wisdom flourish, if you really desire to see wisdom grow and bloom, you must plant a seed of it in the life of another. Plant a seed of it in the life of another if you really want to see wisdom grow. We've been talking about this series about helping the next generation. The wisdom that God gives us and gains that we gain from the Lord is not just for us. It's so that we can plant it like my dad did a couple times. My mom's done. Planting that seed in my heart to help me grow in the moments when I didn't know what to do. And so this is what's there for you as well. And so I want to get in the sandals of two other people real quick before we close and head into our time of communion. But one is the sandals of Jesus. Because I believe Mary and Joseph all along, they were, they were planting seeds. They were helping Jesus. They were teaching him. In the, in, even in the confusing points of his life, right? And we see the evidence of Jesus becoming a learner, becoming one who is growing in wisdom. Next week, Pastor will preach on this section where he's 12 years old in the temple. And I want to just point a couple things out. When Jesus is in the temple talking to those Pharisees, he's asking questions, he's listening, he's giving some answers to their questions. And ultimately, at the end of the story, he's obeying his parents and going with them back up to Nazareth. This is the sign, this is the evidence of someone who has taken in the seeds of learning and applied them to their life, right? And Jesus is showing that at 12. Well, you fast forward even further in his life to his adulthood, and we see it in his words here, where Jesus is talking about himself and his cousin John. Everybody, all the teachers of the law are saying, John's crazy, and you're a glutton and a drunkard, Jesus. Nobody needs to listen to either of you. But Jesus says this, oh Yeah. Wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. So you want to see if wisdom is in me? If you want to see if wisdom is in John, watch how we live our lives. And you know what? You talk about salt and light. That was John and Jesus. They stuck out in that generation. People didn't know what to do with either of them because they stuck out. They showed the heart of God. And so what about our lives? What does our life tell is, do people see wisdom in the actions and the decisions and the, the things that we do with our lives, right? That's a really good thing for us to consider from the mouth of Jesus. And then Jesus said some other things in his adult life I want you to see here. Um, this is uh, amazing, and this doesn't come from his mouth, actually. When we were in Israel, we went to the, the, the town of Nazareth where Jesus grew up. We got to see this reenacted village where they had basically, right in the town of Nazareth, uh, you could walk in and feel like you're in first century Nazareth. It was really cool, Nazareth Village. And this was a 
they had rebuilt what a synagogue would have looked like in Jesus' town in Nazareth. If you watch The Chosen Season 3, you'll see one of the episodes. It looks just like this uh, when he's in Nazareth. So when Jesus comes back for the first time as a rabbi to his hometown, he's standing there and he's teaching, and the people in his town say this about him. They're like, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? So you can see that Jesus... He filled up on wisdom all the way into his 30th year or so, and they could see even his family and friends in the hometown of Nazareth said, where did he get all this wisdom and the miracles? Well, and those folks end up getting offended by him because he claims to be the Messiah. They almost throw, they try to throw him off of a cliff. I don't say almost, he, he didn't let him, but it wasn't his time. And so then he walks right between him and he's gone, right? But that's, that's interesting to see that his wisdom had come to fruition in its fullness at this point in his life. And then let's consider another thing that Jesus said that should blow your mind when we think about this. Jesus is condemning this generation that he was in. He says, the queen of, the, of Sheba will stand up against this generation and judgment day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon and now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. Maybe you've never thought about this before and what Jesus said right here, but he is comparing himself to Solomon and saying that there is someone among you that is greater in wisdom and in every way than Solomon, and he's here right now and you're rejecting me. Well, that queen that came from way far away to see Solomon back then, she's the one that will, will judge you on my behalf because I'm greater than Solomon. That's saying something about yourself. Jesus is saying something about his wisdom that's pretty significant. We need to stop and pause and think about that. Who is this guy, right? Kind of like the Nazarenes were saying. And then listen to these words of Jesus. He's talking to his disciples at the end before the cross, and he's saying, listen, you're going to have the world turn against you. You're going to be my representatives. He's preparing his disciples. He's saying, but don't worry about what you're going to say. And the charge is against you. I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Again, we might not think about that word right there and what Jesus is saying, but he's saying to you and me as his followers, as the next generation of disciples, that you don't have to worry and feel like you have to have it all together and know everything. When you're walking with Jesus and you keep walking and you keep your eyes on him and you submit to him, he will give you in your heart the words to say, just like the proverb says. And you will be able to answer people and they will not know what to say. Don't you remember what happened to disciples in the book of Acts? First few chapters of the book of Acts, the Pharisees were blown away. They're like, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were unlearned, unschooled men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. See, and they, they were full of his wisdom. And that is, that's there for us, believers, that's there for each of us. And so now, real quick, to wrap it up, I want to take you in the sandals of one more person, Paul. Saul of Tarsus, but became Paul. And I want you to see what Paul has to say on the subject of wisdom as we close. And this is, it's ramping up to something huge. I hope you see. I've been working my way towards it, trying hard, okay? Colossians 2, Paul says this. I want them, he's talking about the, La uh, the Laodiceans and the Colossians, I want them to com have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is, what's God's mysterious plan? Jesus Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, Paul was a smart guy. He was a, probably the wise, one of the wisest Pharisees of his time. 
And he is saying that all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge is found in Jesus alone. And then he takes it even a step further in Philippians 2. I want you to see this. Don't miss it. He's saying to us as believers, as the next generation of disciples, don't let, don't, don't let this pass. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, when we get full of ourselves and full of our own wisdom, we tend to forget about other people and only think about ourselves. But true wisdom that's from God looks at what Jesus did and says, listen, I'm going to have the same mind as Jesus Christ. And what is that? This is the mind of Christ. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. One of the greatest things you can learn about wisdom when you're seeking it is to know that because I seek it, I'm admitting that I don't have it. And Jesus himself, he didn't need to do this. But when he, when he took on the form of man, he emptied himself of everything. He emptied himself of everything divine. And he put himself in that vulnerable position of being a small little baby to have to grow in wisdom just like us. And so if we want a starting point for our growth and wisdom, you have to let go of everything you think you know. You have to get rid of all that stuff in your mind that you think you can stand on and still be okay without anybody else's help. You have to let it all go and empty yourself like Jesus did. I love that. I love that. And that's where we can actually begin to grow in wisdom. And so I want you to see, too, that this is also a point I want you to take with you. Write it down. If we want to grow in the wisdom of God, we must follow Jesus' humble example by first emptying ourselves in order to be filled up with divine knowledge found only in him, only in Christ. And, and this is what I hope you'll take with you, is that, is that it comes from us being in that position of humility and surrender to him. Uh, you guys got this from us, most of you for Christmas, this little prayer book. I want to read you a little quote from Andrew Murray as we finished this up last week. Andrew Murray writes, the man or woman who withdraws himself from all that is of this world and man, and who prepares to wait upon God alone, the Father will reveal himself. Amen? That is the truth right there. God will reveal himself to you if you remove from yourself, empty out from yourself everything that is of man, of your own knowledge, of your own ways, of your own thinking. Just empty it out and just receive from the Lord. Be with him. Take the time to listen to him. Come to the word. Come to the wise ones. Seek him. And this is where we're at, folks, as we close. As we walk in his presence, as we walk on in the presence of Christ. Here's what I want you to see. His wisdom will make a home in our hearts so that we can plant seeds of wisdom in the next generation. Amen? And leading them to walk on in the adventure of becoming more like Jesus. That's what it's all about. This wisdom that we're given is not just given for our benefit so we feel better about ourselves and put plaques on the wall about how smart we are. No, it's not about our heads as much as about, it's about our hearts. Absolutely. And the way that God wants us to live, not just out of our minds, but actually transform, that we take that wisdom and we do something with it. And that is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Isn't that awesome? And so as we close, I want to just add one more verse from Philippians 2 for you. Paul says, in the example of Christ who emptied himself, he was being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death 
on a cross. So can I just say that when, when we take the elements of communion, it, it's actually a, it's a rehearsal, it's a practice in the way of wisdom. Can I just say that? Because when we take the communion elements, we take the bread, and that bread represents uh, the word of God. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So when we take that bread, it should be something that we put in our mouths and we think of, I don't live on just bread. I need the word of God to teach me wisdom. I need his word to fill me, right? And then secondly, when we take the cup, that cup that Jesus said is, is poured out, it's emptied out for the benefit of all mankind, right? For forgiveness of sins. Well, guess what? That should be, remind us of the fact that God wants to pour out into us his wisdom, his wholeness, his goodness, to show us the way to go. His presence God is pouring out his presence to you right now. Are you listening? Are you hearing? So that's my invitation to you. As you get the elements, just take a minute to be before him, confess, just thank him for what he's done for you, and then we're going to take communion together in just a moment, okay? Okay.